Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Terry N., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, January 23rd, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book in the doctor's opinion. We are on page XXXI, starting with the third paragraph, when I need a mental uplift, reading through four paragraphs, ending to the end of the chapter. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Anne-Marie M., the 12 Traditions, Christina L., and our readers of the text are Nancy T., Madeline R., and Hoodie R. Our newcomer greeter is Leon B., and our host for the second hour is Deanna B. The share ID for Tuesday, January 22nd, for the 7 a.m. meeting is 12,446. That's 12446. The share ID for the 10 a.m. meeting for yesterday is 12,447. That's 12447. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Anne-Marie M. to please read the 12 steps. This is Anne-Marie M., a recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only, for, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Anne-Marie M. I will now ask Christina L. to please read the Twelve Traditions. 
Good morning. This is Christina L. And here are the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks. Thank you, Christina L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We are in the doctor's opinion on page XXXI, starting with the third paragraph, reading through four paragraphs to the end of the chapter. And I will now ask Nancy T to start us off. Thank you, Terry. Good morning, visionaries. This is Nancy T, recovered compulsive overeater in Lewiston, Idaho. When I need a mental uplift, I often think of another case brought in by a physician prominent in New York. The patient had made his own diagnosis and deciding his situation hopeless, had hidden in a deserted barn determined to die. He was rescued by a searching party and in desperate condition brought, oh, I'm sorry, let me go back a line, had hidden in a deserted barn determined to die. He was rescued by a searching party and in desperate condition brought to me. Following his physical rehabilitation, he had a talk with me in which he frankly stated he thought the treatment a waste of effort, unless I could assure him, which no one ever had, that in the future he would have the willpower to resist the impulse to drink. 
His alcoholic problem was so complex and his depression so great that we felt his only hope would be through what we then called moral psychology, and we doubted if even that would have any effect. However, he did become sold on the ideas contained in this book. He has not had a drink for a great many years. I see him now and then, and he is as fine a specimen of manhood as one could wish to meet. I earnestly advise every alcoholic to read this book through, and though perhaps he came to scoff, he may remain to pray. William D. Silkworth, M.D. I can relate so much with, this is um, a little tiny bit of history that I know about this paragraph is that this paragraph is talking about Fitz Mayo. He was the author of Our Southern Friend and the Personal Stories, and he was also the minister's son who thought he was an atheist that they start talking about on page 55 and 56. But, you know, I, I can identify in. I've been taught that as I read different stories in the big book to tr- identify in instead of, you know, uh, find the differences, I find the similarities. And I can relate and identify with Fitz. So he had decided his situation hopeless. I certainly had been there many times. I, you know, those of you that know my story know I've been in and out, in and out, in and out of OA for years. And while I didn't hide in a deserted barn, I was determined to die this last time when I was in the food once again after having a year of abstinence. I had just decided and was talking to myself. I literally told myself, I'm just going to die fat and I'm okay with that. Um, Because I didn't, I was hopeless. I didn't know any other way. Um, I also like how it says the first thing is following his physical rehabilitation. So he put the alcohol down first, Um, even though he thought the treatment was a waste of effort. That was me. I thought, you know, what happened after I decided I was um, just going to die fat, I heard on this very meeting that, um, you know, if you follow the directions exactly as they're outlined in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, you will get the results that are promised. And I couldn't say that I had done it exactly. I had never lived in 10, 11, and 12 on a daily basis. And by golly, my ego wasn't going to let me go down without at least trying it. So when people told me, well, you didn't try this, I could say, oh, yes, I did. Well, lo and behold, I stand here a recovered person because I followed the directions outlined in the big book and I continue to do that on a daily basis. So they um, they dried outfits. He had a, he following his physical rehabilitation. Um, he and then it says over on the next page, he became sold on the ideas contained in this book. So he worked the steps. He he eliminated the alcohol. He worked the steps, and it says he has not had a drink for a great many years. Um, that very last paragraph there, I earnestly advise every alcoholic to read this book through, and though perhaps it came to scoff, he may remain to pray. I was scoffing when I talked to the person that took me through the steps. I told her, I said, I don't think it's going to work, but I'm willing to try. That willingness to try, as the big book tells me, is all I needed to make a beginning. And I made a beginning, and I had an experience, and it's been the most wonderful experience I have ever had. And this journey, I I hope I never, ever um, leave the life that I have today and decide to pick up the food again. And I don't think I will because every day I follow the directions outlined in the big book like it sounds like Fitz Mayo did. So thank you so much for being here with me this morning, and I will um, I will pass with that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nancy T. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> okay, who would like to share on what was read? Tina L. from Boston. Tina L. Tina L. John L. Larry. John Larry L. Harris. 
Vasakara. Madam. Okay, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I got Ruth M, Tina F, Katie G, John L, I believe, Larry K, and was there a Laura? Did I hear a Laura? No, it was Nessa R. Okay, Nessa R. And Harlan G. All right, we're going with that. And Harlan G. We're going with that. Stop. (laughs) Okay. I'm sorry to clear my throat. Uh, we have Russ M. up, followed by Tina S. Go ahead, Russ. Good morning, everyone. Russ M., recover compulsive over here outside of Philly. As I'm going through the steps again and being out of the food for two years, I'm realizing one thing. You know, uh, I am a complex alcoholic, and, and my depression is so great. And I need God. I need moral psychology. I need a spiritual way of life. Because it ain't about the food. The more I delve into this program and I chip away at myself, I realize my ego is so huge. I'm so self-centered still to today. I worry about, I think about myself more than anybody else. You know, my frustration is I can't have what I want out of life. I can't get my way. I can't have the money, the house, the wife, the kids. People that I want to spend time with, I got to cut out of my life. I can't have it. And I don't like it. I don't like to be remade. I don't want to be remade. I want to be the regular old Russ. And my ego is just like fuming, you know, to get what I need out of life. I'm doing everything you, you want, God. I got out of the food, but see, it ain't the food. It's my discontent with what I have. And what I don't have, I long for, you know? It's just a desperation. It's a, it's a misery to live like that. And I'm realizing it. It's never been about the food. It's about not being happy where I'm at. Not having joy. If I don't have God, I have nothing, man. If I don't have this program, I have nothing. Even if I don't touch another carbohydrate or binge food in my life again, I could still be a dry drunk and be living in misery and pain. So what's the solution? I got to keep working these steps. It's the only thing that I have. It's the only thing I have to give me some semblance of freedom. And I'm sure, you know, you flip a couple houses, people do construction. You got to get in there and gut the house. I know, you know, it's painful. You know, you you got to break down before you build up. And I've been at this for 44 years. So at least some point I may get some freedom. But that's my deal. That's why I need moral psychology. That's why I'm staying. That's why I ain't laughing at this program. Thank you for letting me share. Y'all have a great day. Thank you, Russ M. Next up is Tina S. followed by Katie G. Can you hear me, Terry? Yep. Uh, thanks so much, Terry, for your service. Tina S. Recovered Compulsive Eater, anorexic in Florida. Wow, some great stuff here. Uh, grateful to be on the line. And, you know, I too, like the people that have already shared, can really relate. You know, I identify in today and I don't compare 
one of the things that I, that really hits me here is that, uh, you know, he had to be have his physical rehabilitation. And for me, as a compulsive eater, that is putting down my allergic foods, and as a anorexic, is picking up my non alcoholic foods and eating from a food plan. So, you know, there are two ways to go in whatever part of this disease you're in. And so it is to have that physical rehabilitation first and so that my mind can be cleared and that I can become willing or even want to. So I'm not so hopeless when I have a clear mind to, to follow some simple directions, you know, and I am uh, of that type and it talks about in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, I am undisciplined for sure. And I, I don't want anybody telling me what to do. That's just the truth. But if I want something different, I have to do something different. I was always told that. And, you know, and I love that it was shared and I am too. I am so complex. Let me just tell you. And my depression can be so great. And uh, what happens is he becomes sold on the ideas contained in this book. And I was sold on the ideas contained in this book. And I'm still sold on them today. And I think, thank you, God, that is one day at a time I have the opportunity to be relieved of this obsession and, um, you know, to have a life beyond my wildest dreams, which I do. Uh, one of the things that I really like to talk about is that this is a one-day deal, you know, because I've known people that have come here for uh, many years and went back out because today they didn't do the deal, you know. So I get up in the morning, and even when I don't want to, I connect with a power greater than myself to help me, or actually to lead my day, and then I put one foot in front of the other, and I do the next right thing, and I get on the, the line, and I talk to sponsees, I talk to a sponsor, and I just do it whether I want to or not. And because I, when I came here, I didn't want to do any of this stuff, but today I do. And so um, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Tina S. Katie G., you're up, followed by John L., I believe. You can correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Good morning, Terry. Good morning, my fellows. <clears throat> Katie G., recovered, compulsive reader, anorexic, and bulimic in Boston. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I always refer to this, and I'm probably wrong when I, <laughs> when I do, but... You know, my best thinking is going to a deserted barn, determined to die, determined to die. Like, let me just go to that barn. I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to go. I'm going to go die. I can't do this anymore. And um, thank you, God, today, like, that's not me. You know, when I have problems, I don't go to that deserted barn, right? Like, I surrender. And um, and me, too. Like, I wanted to know, like, tell me that I'm going to have the willpower to resist this impulse. And um, I don't have the willpower today. Like I have, God has restored me to sanity, soundness of mind, and it's through God's loving grace that I don't, I don't pick up the food, right? But I, I, I honor the fact that I have an allergy of the body that's never going to change um, and an obsession of the mind that needs, as somebody else said, a deep excavation ongoing because I have a emergence of my ego. And that's, what are you talking about? Like, of course I came to scoff, which is contempt, disdain. It's that voice inside my head where you're telling me something, you're making a suggestion, and I'm already thinking about why your suggestion is wrong. I'm, more, I'm the I know guy, right? Like, I've been in OA for double-digit years. You can't teach me. And as I say that, I am walking a step at a time out of the door. And please, God, help me not scoff today. Like, where am I, as a recovered compulsive overeater, where am I scoffing about ideas? You know, I need to continue to have ideas, emotions, and attitudes that were, that as of yesterday, were the guiding principles of my day. 
How can I, how am I scoffing? What can I, what can I turn around today? What's a new idea? Because that is what keeps this, this message alive and vibrant. And may I remain to pray, which means offer, devote, you know, um, adoration, thanksgiving, like thank you God today. Um, you know, I have a solution for the crazy, crazy mind of mine that wants to solve this, I, this, this problem and continues to think it can, right? Um, however, because of, you know, the, the moral psychology, because of these 12 steps, this ongoing, uncovering, discovering, and discarding everything, everything from yesterday, every, all the old ideas over and over again to give me a new experience with God. One of my teachers talks about, I like the effect produced by God. Me too. But the emergence of the ego, like, I got this. I'm recovered now. Don't worry about it. And, um, you know, as a recovered woman today, and I don't say this because I'm amazing, but I go after this program now more today than I think I ever have because I don't want to go back no matter what. So thank you, God. There's a place I belong, you belong, and we can continue to remain to pray. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Katie G. John L., you're up, followed by Larry K. Yes, good morning. This is John L., and I live in Chandler, Arizona. Um, The biggest thing that really got me from today's reading is gratitude for the program. I can't imagine what it would be like living in the times pre-1930 when there was no big book or no program because there was just absolutely no hope, no help. We would just be handed a death sentence for our addictions. And I remember a long time ago when I was in AA, someone saying, John, do you realize that, you know, you have a real gift from God here being in the program? And I was so into self-pity at the time, I couldn't realize how lucky I really was. Today, I had an aunt that died of um, overeating. I have a sister right now as we speak. She needs a new liver. Uh, She's not doing well. Her eyes are bulged out. They're yellow. And she's still drinking. And it's really hard to see other people... um, especially loved ones close to you go down due to an illness where the big book's the solution. And yes, I am very, very lucky. My sponsor tells me by the grace of God, go I. And why me, not them, I don't know. But I cannot tell you when I was in the hopeless condition of overeating, how desperate I would be, how much money I spent on all these diet commercial weight loss places and finally to be able to take this program and apply it to my gluttony and and it just really my spiritual growth just went off exponentially and life is so much better and i am very grateful because of this big book the steps the program and overeaters anonymous that i have a much better life, I have a much better connection spiritually, and I'm just very grateful for this spiritual connection that I have. Oh, 
Okay, John, I'm not sure if you were done or if we just lost you. Okay, I'm going to assume you were done. <laughs> uh, Larry K., you're up, followed by Nessa R. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much for your service. <clears throat> Appreciate Larry K. recovered uh, this morning. You know, it says that um, this gentleman was sold on the ideas contained in this book. And um, yes, he was. You know, recovery is about becoming empowered. This guy became empowered to live without any illusion of control. He must have been. You know, sobriety is, is about surrender. We can't be sober through willpower. He had to have accepted that. If we're sober through willpower, no matter how long we've been applying that willpower, what we have is something different than, than this recovered state of being, this recovered state that's promised. Because in that state, aligned with God, the problem has been removed. It doesn't exist. That's in the promises. Why are some, you know, some folks not getting the promised results? Because I was one of those folks. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not, and that was me, it was mostly, it wasn't that I could not, I will not completely give myself to this simple program. Usually people like me that are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves, and then I would rest on that and say, well, well, woe is me. But I, it, it wasn't true. I was, I was constitutionally capable of being honest. Most of us are. If the, if the noose around your neck tightens enough, you'll be honest. Now, if someone's been abstinent for 50 years, they're in a normal-sized body, but they're only in a normal-sized body by fear and control and rigid adherence to a diet or, or something like that, or controlling others in their midst. They certainly have something. They certainly have something. But rest assured, it's not the change that's promised in this book, not in this book. See, because when each of us climbs these steps, your truth gets revealed to you by doing this work. In other words, the change in you begins to unfold. And what unfolds for each of us follows a unique trajectory. My trajectory might be different than yours, but rest assured there will be change. And whatever that pathway is for you, the one miraculous thing that I consistently see in others is that they seem to have moved from a, an existence of self-centeredness to an existence of God-centeredness. They've changed. And it's unmistakable when you see it. When you see it in others, you hear it in others, it's unmistakable. It's a beautiful way of life. This guy got it. It's open to anyone, anyone at all. Just got to follow the steps and put your heroin foods down, 100%. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you very much, Larry Kay. Next up, we have Nessa R. followed by Harlan G. Hi, good morning, Vision for you. This is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. So following his um, physical rehabilitation, this is the fifth reference in the doctor's opinion um, about the need to put, to put down the, the trigger substance, whatever it is, um, because this is the innovation of the doctor. You know, before he came on the scene, before he issued his opinion, um, everybody knew that there was something wrong with the mind of the alcoholic, the addict, the compulsive overeater. 
you know, they didn't know exactly what, they misdiagnosed that, but everybody knew that. What people didn't know was that, you know, we have an allergy of the body that we not only are mentally um, um, defective, but also bodily damaged. And, you know, this explained to me why I could never eat anything in moderation. And I spent years and years and years going from diet to diet that called for a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It's okay to have a little bit of dessert. You just cannot have the whole case of dessert. Um, and that never worked for me. And this explains why. Because once I ingest even a tiny little bit, a tiny little morsel, a tiny little speck, I get triggered. And, and I, ha- I have to eat the whole lot. And this is why it's so important, you know, to put the food down, you know, in order to, to recover. Without that, no recovery can ensue, no matter how hard I am working the steps because my mind is all fucked up and because, you know, I have a substitute for the real solution. The real solution is God, but my substitute, I mean, an inadequate one is, is the food. And so while I'm serving one master, the other one has no possibility of even getting in. You know, I, um, you know, people ask me when I lost all my weight, people ask me like, what did you do? What did you do? And why are you eating now? And, you know, basically, I, I eat protein and vegetables. That's, that's pretty much my, my, my diet now because a lot of things um, in the carb department trigger me. And people say I could never do that. You know, I could never do that. It's, it's um, you know, I would feel so deprived. But the truth is I don't feel deprived at all because I don't want those foods. And I don't want those foods, number one, because they're not in my body. They're not in my system triggering the allergy. Number two, because on that basis, I have worked the steps that have dealt with the uh, greater aspects of my disease, which is my mind. And so I don't want those foods. And I am happy. I'm happy and content after every single meal, you know, because my body is getting what I need. I walk away satisfied, not totally full and stuffed to the gills, you know, not wanting more, not feeling deprived at all. And, you know, it's, it's a beautiful, contented life that I've that I uh, lead that is not driven by my food. It's not driven by what I'm going to eat or what I ate or what I couldn't eat or what I I won't be able to eat. Food is not even in the picture anymore. And it has to start with entire abstinence. Thank you. And this is why the doctor repeats this requirement five times in his opinion. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Next up, we have Harlan G. Thank you very much, and thank you to Team Wednesday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. When I read this little snippet of Fitz Mayo, I'm reminded of my own life very much. I desperately wanted to die. I desperately, after some uh, the physical rehabilitation that they're talking about was separating him from the alcohol, and after I had a couple of days abstinence, I remember very, very clearly sitting and crying tears like a baby because I knew that it would be many years until I could get, be in a body that was even re- reasonably normal. There are miracles here. His alcoholic problem was so complex and his depression so great that we felt that his only hope would be through what we then called moral psychology or spiritual awakening. 
but look at what happens to him here. He hasn't had a drink in many years, and he is as fine a specimen of manhood as one could wish to meet. The greatest miracles that I have ever seen in my entire life did not occur in the sky. They did not occur in a forest or in a water or watching a waterfall or seeing natural things. Those are beautiful things and God gives them to me to reward me. The greatest miracles I have ever seen in my entire life are watching the defeated the downtrodden, the depressed, and I don't mean clinical, I mean the people that are beat down by this disease, who are in a constant state of defeat, and who are biologically predisposed to eating themselves to death. Take these steps, and at first, like Larry alerted to, they are stark, raving, abstinent, just adhering to a food plan and like a baby giraffe taking those shaky steps. They take one and another and then they begin to take action after action after action because they see it working in other people. They don't even yet believe in it. And they begin to live a life of fulfillment and they start to fly. And one day they wake up and they are of maximum service to God and the people about them. And not only are they, are they abstaining from compulsive overeating, but miraculously, they are doing so happily. Tomorrow, at the same bat time, same bat channel, we're going to start reading the story of such a man. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G. Okay, if you joined us late, um, we are in the doctor's opinion on page XXXI, starting with the third paragraph, when I need a mental uplift, reading through the end of the chapter. Who else would like to share Matt a thread? I got Terry Matt M. I got Charles A. Kelly. What was that? Terry C. Kelly. Did you get Melissa C. Yes. Reva P. Melissa C. Kelly. Karen M. All right, Okay. Wow. I got Kelly. Okay, hold up, please. I have Matt M, Charles H, Melissa C, Carmela G, and Kelly, uh, probably S, I think. I'm not sure. Um, And I missed a whole lot of people. And I'm sorry. We're going to go with what I have, and if there's time, we'll take some more. So, Matt M, you're up, followed by Charles H. Thank you very much, Terry, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Madam Compulsive over here from New Jersey. You know, I learned a lot from this program. I've been in the program over 10 years. It's going to be 11 years this August. And I've learned that, you know, it takes a village to raise a compulsive overeater. I've gotten so many sponsors over the years, different kinds, you know, short, tall, fat, thin, you know, um, like gay, lesbian, straight, whatever. And I've learned that each one of them has taught me something. It's taught me, given me something that I needed to do in order to get to work with the next sponsor. You know, um, I'm very grateful that I've been given such wonderful gifts of literature, time, scholarships to go to conventions, and I want to give back to other people, and I'm doing that now. You know, I'll be sponsoring soon, God willing, and I'm grateful that I can give back to because I've been given so many wonderful gifts over the years. I've gotten so many wonderful friendships, not 
that I wasn't expecting to get. These are just a byproduct of working the steps. And uh, I, in the beginning, I was stock raving after it, not knowing where to go, not knowing who to talk to, not knowing how to work the program. But uh, you know, it, it had to start. It had to start somewhere. You know, it had to start me realizing that I can't do this on my own. That I need you all to help me work this program. Like I said, it does take a village to raise a compulsive overeater. I'm grateful I don't have to be 700, almost 700 pounds anymore. You know, with this, my legs swollen from fluid and lymphedema and pus running down my legs into my shoes. I'm grateful I don't have to sit there spending all my rent money on food and almost getting evicted multiple times. I'm grateful I don't have to do those things anymore because I know there's a better way. So um, thank you thank you for letting me share. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Matt M. Next up, we have Charles H. followed by Melissa C. Hi, this is Charles H. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right. <laughs> hi, um, <laughs> hi, everybody. This is Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater. And I want to fly directly down to this word called, um, what is that word? Deserted, right? Determined to die. Um, I love that because in order to become a new person, I had to, I had to be, I had to leave some things in that barn that Fitzgerald, Fitz, Fitz Mayo, excuse me, um, mentioned. And ain't it wonderful that that his contribution in this book um, manifested a hospital. Amen, right? But let me drill down. So there's some things that, that, that had to be abandoned and left in that barn. And I'm going I'm, to I'm share real. I was coming from work yesterday, and I was on the phone talking. I don't know what this lady seen in my eyes, but I seen something in her eyes, and she said some things that I can't say on the line. And she said, follow me. And I followed her off the bus. And um, I have to do some inventory on that. But I'm just sharing with y'all how, how real it is because, oh, it's real. <laughs> right? And um, that got to that gotta be left in the barn. It, I ha- it has to, this, this, this saying in the big book is almost like the set-aside prayer, if you really look at it. You know, deserted to die. I have to die to my old self every day. You know, you know what I, I, I leave in the barn this morning? I leave what happened yesterday in the barn. I leave, I leave that, that follow the piper in the barn. I follow her right off that bus, and I raised, um, you, know, you know what page 69 said. Thank God we didn't go through and do the 69. But, so I, I, I have to do inventory on that. Uh, my emotions, my over sensitivity, my, my fears, and those driving emotions to, to, to be number one. I got to leave that in the barn. You know, so I'm determined to die to my old self every single day. But it's following the elimination of my binge allergic substances because, it, because if, I can, if I don't, if I'm, if I'm engaging in those substances, I'm not going to be determined to die to old self. And I'll leave a couple of seconds on the clock. Russ hasn't been busting my chops on that. So I will close with this. Love you. Thank you, Charles H. Next up, we have Melissa C., followed by Carmela G. Hi. Good morning, Terry. Thank you so much for your service this morning. Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And um, 
you know, what grabbed me this morning was the following his physical rehabilitation. Um, because for me, um, I always followed my physical rehabilitation. My whole life was just on the physical rehabilitation. And, um, you know, and the most, um, I think back to when I got this big book for the first time. It was many, many years ago. And with it, I also was handed a food plan. And this book, you know, got shoved in the, in the dresser. Um, and the food plan was what I worshipped. And so I only followed a physical rehabilitation. And, you know, the worst thing that would happen for someone like me was I could lose weight extraordinarily fast, it, you know, mind-bogglingly fast. And that was a horrible thing because I, it did not, you know, make me um, interested in the spiritual aspect of the program. I worshipped the physical recovery. And, um, you know, and that didn't last. You know, the best thing in the world that happened to me was I finally, um, you know, put that food plan aside. It didn't necessarily have my allergic foods eliminated on it, you know, um, and so that I needed some more information about. And the other thing was I picked up this book, the book that I shoved in the dresser. And the other thing, the incredible thing that happened, that I always pray that this happens for people I work with, is that the physical rehabilitation, and I'm thinking about weight loss right now, not removing the alcoholic substance. That's like a given already. There is no debate for me about that. But the physical rehabilitation, the weight loss, I pray it takes so slow that you are forced to have a spiritual transformation while you're working like crazy. And, you know, when Harlan said about crying those tears because he knew that he was going to take him many years, to, you know, um, for his body to look normal, yeah, it took me a long time to lose that weight. Um, and it was a blessing. You know, that was the greatest gift. And, um, yeah, because now um, I remain to pray. And the weight did come off. And the food is non-existent in my life. It just doesn't matter. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Next up, we have Carmela G., followed by Kelly. I don't know. <laughs> Go ahead, Carmela. <laughs> Thank you. This is Carmela G. from New York. Um, I didn't go to a barn. I just buried myself in work and continued to eat and eat and eat until I really didn't care. I didn't care the pain. I couldn't walk, but yet I still, I knew it was going to cause pain. Everything I shoved in the mouth, my arrogance, such arrogance. You couldn't tell me anything. I, I just didn't, I just needed the food. I needed to numb out. I needed that solution, so I thought. Until I realized, I said, well, if I die, no big deal. Until I realized that um, I was killing myself and I was diagnosed with cancer. And and the doctor said he couldn't operate because I was way too fat and I wouldn't be able to withstand the six hours of surgery. And I said to him, but that's what the treatment is. Yes, I know, but I'm going to treat you with radiation. And at that moment, I knew I needed to have the surgery. And I said, 
I'm sorry, but I have to find someone who will operate. And so I did. And yes, I had the surgery. And yes, I am 11 years cancer free. But the reality is the surgery that took, that did take over six hours, I did recover from that. But instead of recovering in six to eight weeks, because of my arrogance and my weight, it took me three years of intense therapy, and I was near death. And at that point, I realized there was something wrong, and I wanted to live. And someone introduced me at that point, at the ripe old age of 67, to Overeaters Anonymous. And I began the program. And this day, I am just so grateful I never thought I could be in a normal body. Never. I never wanted to be powerless. I fought it, fought it, fought it. And when I surrendered to my power that was greater than I, that I call God, I realized that once I connect with him daily, that's the power source. And he gives me so much power as long as I get it through him. Things happen that I could never imagine would happen. People say things that I I never, I don't know how they're saying them. And it's what I needed. It's that searching. And all of a sudden, I'm happy, joyous, and free. Yes, life goes on. But program gets us through. Thank you so much for allowing me to share. Have a good day. Thank you all for your share. Thank you, Carmela G. Uh, Kelly S., you're up. Uh, hey, this is Kelly S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Oklahoma. Thanks, Terry, for your service. I can't believe I got on. It's crazy on this this line. Anyway, um, love these paragraphs and nothing new to share, as usual. However, um, just want to jump in and claim my seat because, oh, my gosh, this, this guy was me. And, yeah, I mean, it, I didn't hang out at a barn, but pretty much had decided I was the hopeless um, person, you know, grateful that listening to you guys and reading the big book again, that found out I was only, I was seemingly hopeless as it points out. And even in the paragraph prior that we seem to be the case of mental deterioration. And, um, you know, all I ever did was the physical rehabilitation. You know, I've told my story here or shared it many times, um, been around these rooms for 30 something years and, and I knew that, that I wasn't going to get it pretty much had just, uh, given up and decided this program wasn't going to work for me. And I, I hung around, you know, I didn't know what, I didn't have anywhere else to go. Right. I didn't know what else to do. I figured I'd, you know, I'd get some reprieve here and there every once in a while, get the elimination of my alcohol, I'd lose weight, then I'd pick up food again. And it was just going to be that constant struggle. And I couldn't imagine the willpower to resist the impulse to drink. What I didn't know was, you know, I, if I worked this program, I'd get that neutrality it talks about. So, you know, that very last paragraph was instrumental for me. And that's what I really, really wanted to be able to share on today. And, you know, so read this book through. And though perhaps he came to scoff, he may remain to pray. So grateful that even though I did come to scoff, and it was at you guys, vision for you, right? So I started listening, you know, like uh, I'm almost four years recovered, and I started listening five or six years ago, right after you guys started. And I'm like, really, whatever, there's no instructions in this book. Okay, whatever, you know, and I was scoffing, and I was scoffing. But you know what, 
I was eating too. I didn't know what else to do. I just kept listening. Thank God. I continued to listen. And then what did I do? I read this book through. I listened to what all of you guys were saying. I heard the recovery in your voice. You know, I couldn't see the weight loss. I could hear you were doing life different. And then because of that, you know, no, meetings didn't fix it. I'm going to tell you guys, I listened obsessively. I heard all of you. I didn't miss a meeting. If I did, I got on the recordings. That didn't fix me. What did? I became sold on the ideas contained in this book. And what does that mean? I started working it. I read the instructions. I work with a sponsor every day. Put down my food, elimination of my alcoholic foods. I weigh and measure. I am 100% black and white absent today. And I start working these steps. I work with others. I live in 10, 11, and 12. I spend time every single day with my higher power. Who would have thought that, right? And I live by spiritual principles. Another thing, never thought I'd be a woman of honesty and integrity today after 30-something years. And I know I'll wrap up with this. So grateful I remain to pray. And today I am a recovered woman, and I am living a life beyond my wildest dreams. Thank you guys so much, and I pass. Thank you, Kelly S. Okay, it looks like we have time for two or three more. Vasa O. Vasa O. Janice P.M. Janice P.M. Nicole C. I I think there's a Terry in there. Is there a Terry in there? Terry C. Yes, Terry C. Yes, okay. I missed you last time. All right, we're going to go with that. We got Vasa O, Janice P.M., and Terry C. Go ahead, Vasa. Thank you. Thank you, Terry, for your service. I'm Vasa, grateful recovered compulsive reader calling from Florida. And I just, there's 370 people at this meeting this morning. I can't, it's, it's a miracle. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I hope some of the people are the ones I gave them the number to listen to this meeting. But this is what I heard from my sponsor. You have to give it away, what we have been so generously given uh, in our program. So, but anyways, reading the paragraph. This is how I felt before I came to my first meeting, my first OA meeting. I was doomed. I thought I was going to die fat and miserable. It was getting progressive for me. It was going to just kill me. And I thank God I came in OA just in time, and I heard the progression that people had gone before me, what, you know, what the progression with their disease. And I said, I, it's by the grace of God, I didn't get there yet, but I was on the way. But my best thinking was, maybe if I didn't, maybe if I stop, when I stop working, I'll have a better control, you know, of the food when, I, when I'm home, you know, and I have, you know, I can do all the diets and I can do all the cooking and everything. And none of that worked, you know, and no matter what I tried, nothing worked. And I remember saying, well, maybe now since I'm home, well, maybe if my husband just locked me in the room and, in, and I can't get, to, I mean, isn't this insane thinking? I can't get to the food. I probably would have climbed out of the window. But anyways, I, have to, I had the gift of desperation, and I didn't think it was a gift of desperation at that time. I thought it was a torture. How am I going give to give up these foods that I have lusted and I, I adored and, you know, looked at recipes. And I said, I, I don't think I could live for one day without this stuff. 
And I heard, no, we do this only one day at a time, one meal at a time. And I was sold. I was sold what I read here in the big book. And I'm so grateful. I started with the big book and the 12 steps, you know. However, he uh, he had come sold on the ideas contained in this book. He was not, he has not had a drink for a great many years. I see him now. Okay, that's me. That That is that person. I was sold. And I became abstinent 33 years ago. It's by the grace of God I've been abstinent, but that was only the beginning. And I needed to work on my emotional path, which is step four, and the rest of the steps as they are laid out. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Uh, Janice PM, you're up. Well, thank you so Last. much for you. Okay. You can time me if you would, please. Um, Yeah, my name is Janice PM, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, I don't know where to begin, but, um, you know, this page, XXI, in the last page, I found three common denominators. And I'm just going to just summarize them because, you know, I read this book many times, and I just tell you, I, I wasn't determined to die. Towards the end, you know, I, I didn't have any other choice because um, I didn't have any other place to go to. But the, in the beginning, um, uh, this book tells us, and it repeats over and over again. He gives two examples. And I can give many examples of my son, I mean, my son, myself. Uh, one is the elimination of my binge foods. That's the very first common denominator. They both had to, if you notice, to be successful and not have a drink, they first began to, to, uh, to uh, put the food down, which is the physical part of my disease. And then the second common denominator would be that they, they worked on a plan to solve the mind problem. I mean, sometimes we don't see what the two common denominators, and it's all through this book. It doesn't matter. He repeats it over and over and over again. The elimination of alcohol, a plan of recovery. And, you know, uh, these 100 men and women, you know, they seemed hopeless like I seemed hopeless because I had nothing else to go to. I didn't know what to do. Now what am I going to do? I tried everything like most of us have. So... I was determined not to die. I was I was determined to find a solution. <laughs> and it wasn't until I couldn't find the solution that I said, okay, let me try this. Let me not be so scoffing. Let me, let me not do it my way, you know, uh, my ego deflation. And then I decided, do I want to continue with this disease or do I want to die? Because I had no other place to go. I mean, I started with OA many decades ago, but then I did this and did that. And then I said, now what am I going to do? You see? So he was sold. What does that mean to me? And I had to accept, not admit, because I could admit it all the time. Yeah, I really have a problem, you know, but I'm going to find a way. So until I could accept this program that I am a compulsive overeater the only solution is to have a power greater than myself. So after I accepted it, 
I got into action, and then I got the solution. And the solution is the same. They never had a drink again. But one day, I don't have to have that obsession because it's been removed, and I am so grateful. I I don't need those foods because my husband died. Thank you. Or I I have been diagnosed with cancer. Yeah, I am grateful today that I don't have, that's not the solution. And I am just because uh, my my, my brother had this, this disease and he died within three months. So I am grateful today that I found this. And thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Janice PM. Thank you, everyone, to share that shared. I'm so sorry, Terry C. Um, we are out of time. I miscalculated, and but we do have a second hour. Please join us for that. And there's another meeting at 10 o'clock. So for everybody who didn't get a chance to share, there's more opportunities in the future. So um, today's the share ID for today's meeting is 12,452, that's one, two, four, five, two. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Madeline R. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, this is Madeline R. recovered in Pennsylvania. Thanks for letting me be of service. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answer will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until